Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. Positive psychology aims to catalyze a change in psychology. So it's still very much looking at the lens of psychology, but focusing on the positivity model called the PERMA model. Welcome back to another epic episode of The Menopause Coach. This one you've got me for. No guest expert today, just me, all me and only me. And what I want to do is jump into something. I got asked this really amazing question this week and I just thought, you know what, this is one that we need to go deeper into in a podcast. So the question I was asked was, how can we use mindfulness, meditation and positive psychology to help with perimenopause menopause and postmenopause well-being. Wow, right? Super juicy question that one. It's pretty big to be fair, but one that I find truly truly powerful. So, what I want to do is break it down into chunks so that I can answer it well enough and that just keeps my brain right. Perimenopause and all. So, let me start with the phrase that many people may not be so familiar with, positive psychology. What is it? Well, it's massively important that we understand that this has been an evolution of science and how traditional psychology, if we look at it in that sense and and kind of phrase it that way, traditional psychology focusing on treating mental illness, okay, misery, upset, ultimately what's wrong in a person's emotional well-being. So we understand what psychology is, but when we put that word positive in front of it, it's kind of asking, well, what does that actually mean though? So the founders of positive psychology, there are some, yes, recognised that traditional psychology had become weakness orientated. So very much around what we've just said there, around misery, upset and weakness orientated is how they captured that. And although it has done a massively, massively great job at helping people who were suffering, it didn't capture the whole picture of being a human and how we need to flourish. It's massively, massively important to us as human beings that we're able to flourish, feel happy and and really connect with ourselves in a joyful, heightened state of emotion. So when we think about the founders, one of the founders of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, he's a professor, professor of psychology and in that positive psychology space, he says that positive psychology aims to catalyze a change in psychology. So it's still very much looking at the lens of psychology, but focusing on the positivity model that he has put together with his team called the PERMA model. Now, for those of you that are familiar, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that. For those of you that are not, PERMA stands for P, positive emotions, E, engagement, R, relationships, M, meaning, A, accomplishment, and H, health. Massively important. So PERMA. So when we look at this, it's a very deeply researched model and scientifically validated in the health and well-being space for both the psychological well-being and health space, but also the physiological, so that the kind of physical science of our bodies. And much like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Seligman discovered that in order to truly cultivate well-being and for us as humans to flourish and feel amazing, 
we needed to have these factors in place. So many of you listening to this who have maybe done studies within psychology or you've maybe been inside the business world, you'll be very familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. In fact, I've shared quite a number of times about how Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the pyramid structure, serves a purpose of us understanding how happiness, joy and a sense of flourishment really supports us as humans. And Maslow basically goes into highlighting that the needs of a human being are baseline to survive. So things like shelter, warmth, love, um, connection, all the way up through the pyramid to the very top, which the peak was self-actualization. So that's our flourishing in terms of what Martin Seligman and the other professors within the positive psychology space would deem to have been successful in reaching that. So a little, a little science background for you. Love the science. So positive psychology is that science of happiness, of joy and of human flourishing. And the PERMA model being that foundational guide towards achieving this level of happiness along your journey. So my own personal experience of positive psychology started many, many years back when I first became aware of the term and started to seek more and more information on it. There wasn't an awful lot. I did come across some TED Talks and YouTube channels and it just became very interesting. So it wasn't until I invested in deep studies to become a certified positive psychology coach um, over 18 months ago now that I was truly opened to the concept of how we can alter our state of well-being and happiness through thought and through practice. Okay, so you see, when we're born actually, so happiness is that kind of our birthright when we're born. And 50% of our happiness comes from our DNA. So our genetics, you're born with 50% of your happiness makeup. Pretty cool. So that's why you'll see some babies are truly happy all the time, smiling, and others, like I was apparently, very muted, and you'd have to stand on your head, perform multiple circus acts to even get me as a baby to crack the smallest of smiles. So the other 50%, if we just generalise this, because it's actually split further down than that, but if we just generalise it for this purpose, you have the ability to adapt, okay, to change, to control through your environment and the choices that you make. So although 50% may be that you are in that bracket of very smiley, very happy, go lucky, nothing phases you for your first 50%, your second 50% you vastly control through your environment and choices. And then for others, like I was, we weren't massively gifted with the first 50% of the happiness gene. We had to work on it and we still have to work on it. And that's okay. So I'm not saying anyone chooses to be miserable or sad. Um, Those feelings, those emotions, those thoughts are all valid. They're part of it. Okay, I'd be very sceptical of someone that I met that was happy all the time. So what I'm saying here is you can support your happiness journey with how you choose to approach these emotions and thoughts as they show up and they will. Life events. So let me dive into the other part of the question. What is mindfulness and meditation? Well, mindfulness is a term that we hear a lot of. It means mindfulness is attention in the here and now. So being present in the moment. Put simply, it's about attention to ourselves 
and the outer environments. So knowing how we are feeling in our connection, but also what's happening around us, what's going on. Feelings in our body, thoughts and emotions, the wind on your skin, the smell of the forest on your midday walk. All of this is about being in your mindful moments. It sounds easy, it sounds straightforward, but how often do you truly sit in mindfulness without thoughts overtaking that time? And our mind does get lost. It gets lost in worry. It gets lost in thought. It gets lost in the to-do list and the projects and the things and the tasks. It's okay for that to happen. So this is about really just understanding when we are being present and mindful and when we're losing ourselves in mindlessness. What's really important to know is that your thoughts create emotions and those emotions may be joy, but they also might be fear or anxiety or upset. We literally control our health through single thought processes. How cool is that? But also deeply in that mindlessness state, we can allow our thought processes to take over for far too long. So what mindfulness teaches us to do is how to deal with these problematic thoughts by taking our attention back in the here and the now. So think of this as a bit of a disruptor in the madness of life. Okay, life is beautiful. It is full of energy, but it's also a bit crazy at times, right? And by taking on the role of being in the present and the neutral, you're disrupting the thought process, which is taking back in that control. So if you then notice that you're slipping back into worry or thoughts are coming into your mind, have I bought bread today? Do I need milk? Have I got enough cereal for the kids? Etc, etc. Welcome to my mind. You then focus your attention, you refocus that attention on the breath. Okay, so here's a little insight into what I do personally. So if I find that my mind is wandering, starting to get a little bit anxious around things that have to be done, then it's back into the moment that refocus, that mindfulness of Okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath in through my nose. I'm going to hold at the top and I'm going to let it out. And using this in your back to centre ritual, repeating the words when you breathe in, you're breathing in love. So breathing in, love. Breathing out, trust. And just understanding that connection again within your physical and emotional body. This gives you back that control within your mindfulness moment. Okay, a mindfulness moment can literally just be a breath. Or it can be, I need 5, 10, 20, 30 minutes to myself. But taking a mindfulness moment can be as easy as taking a breath. And just being present when you are taking that breath in. And affirming to yourself that you are breathing in love and you are breathing out trust. So this isn't about what I refer to as a toxic positivity. Okay, this isn't about suppressing those emotions or those thoughts or feelings. Because they're still super valid. But rather observing and turning your attention back to the present moment. So your thoughts and emotions are not changed or modified. It's all in how you relate. To these thoughts and emotions that are altered. Okay, so they're still going to come in thick and fast, but it's how we then choose. So that word choice, it's how we choose to then respond within that moment. That mindfulness moment is important. 
And consequently, we waste a lot of precious energy by resisting something that cannot be changed in the first place. So during these practices, they can feel both pleasant and unpleasant with sensations, emotions and thoughts. Okay, all things may arise. You may go deeper than you envisaged or you intended, but it's okay in trust, trusting, okay, which is important. So instead of denying how you're feeling and pushing that all away and suppressing and numbing, it is a technique. I am the master in the past at pushing away and numbing. Mindfulness requires us to be a bit willing, okay, having that willingness to let those emotions be identified and let them be as they are in the present moment, but remembering that the goal of mindfulness is not to get rid of these internal states, but to change your relationship with these states, all right? So cultivating a more friendly, acceptance-based relationship with those states of feeling and emotions, So to put it quite simply, when an unpleasant state arises, so anxiety or fear or something washes over you that you think, oh my God, this is awful, try to welcome in and perceive them as part of your practice, okay, part of the reality. Let them be as they are, but take back that mindfulness moment of breath and just start there. So often sensations like fear, we've just touched on fear actually, so we can go into this one. They're automatically thought to be bad. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, I don't want to be fearful. Like that's bad, it's weak, or I don't want it, it's unwanted. But when we judge a certain feeling, for example, I've experienced anxiety or fear and now I feel bad, I don't want to feel this way. We automatically are creating that sense of conflict between the current feeling, so the the anxiety or feeling bad, and how we should be feeling, as in I should be feeling absolutely abundant and good right now. And then we need to try and resolve that conflict. And all of a sudden we're put into this suppressing the negative feeling state that we've just touched on. And that requires a heck of a lot of energy. And it can absolutely cause us to feel worse in those moments and situations. So acceptance plays a key role in mindfulness. And mindfulness takes patience as you are starting to practice this. Your brain is kind of thinking, whoa, this is new. This is a new new way of being. So the effects of mindfulness practices may not be immediately effective. And that's okay. The idea in the practice is that you keep going. Don't be angry with yourself when you do get distracted. It's quite inevitable during any mindfulness exercises. Okay, thoughts and feelings will always arise and it's how the mind works through those. Every mind operates like this. Your mind is no exception. So awareness at this moment provides the opportunity to direct attention back into a very gentle, compassionate and mindful place. So being very kind to yourself when you notice something like anxiety, thoughts, fears, even physical or emotional pain coming into your mind space. Be kind when you notice that. Let's just acknowledge that you will get distracted and that's okay. Your mind always wants to avoid this. So practice it with a very friendly and loving, compassionate way. Us as women, this is actually a really good example, but us as ambitious women, okay, we set ourselves so many goals and targets. We've got that kind of drive inside our belly space. 
And those pathways that we want to walk, sometimes we actually want to run them. (laughs) Other times we're like, yep, I'm sprinting down this towards my goals. But it's possible that we get so focused on reaching those goals that we forget to live in the present. Our life becomes a sequence of I'm getting to these goals, I'm getting to these targets and there's a few things that I need to achieve and our mind will constantly be living in the future, constantly thinking about how do I achieve this? What am I looking to do next? And it's about us being able to take back that process. It's not even control of the process, but it's thinking about what's next and then for us to enjoy being in the present. This can easily lead to frustration because we start to think, well, if I don't reach these goals, I'm going to be X, Y, or Z, or A, B, or C. And this for us can, especially for human design types like me, I'm a manifesting generator. And if you're not familiar with that and you want to know what your human design is, then I'm going to pop a link to a free clickable that you can go ahead and put your details into and get your human design type. As a manifesting generator, I have a lot of different things that support me in my progress in life, in my success in life. And it's about understanding how my own human design type works for me and me not then pushing the resistance against that. So for me, if I'm out of alignment and I have allowed boundaries to be stretched or pushed, then I can become very frustrated and low energy. And it's in these moments that I myself must recognize where I've fallen out of that alignment and double down on my mindfulness and meditation practices. And that helps me to raise my vibration again. So mindfulness helps us to become aware that living in the present moment is the key to reaching goals. By focusing attention on the here and now in the present, We can become way more efficient and effective and stay attuned, okay, stay in tune, attuned to who we are in our fun and our joy and our happiness moments. And that's all part of the journey. So let me share some examples of how you can incorporate some positive psychology and mindfulness practices into your days. Okay, and practicing this through self-compassion led lenses can be such an excellent way to enhance your overall resilience and adopt that growth mindset where you've maybe had some setbacks. Okay, what I refer to those as if you've been inside my space is speed bumps in the road. They're never roadblocks because we can always find a solution to go over or around them. Never a setback in the true form. Okay, so this is a strong mindset practice to adopt. And when we treat ourselves like a kind loved one or friend, it can help to break out patterns of self-criticism. It happens. We self-criticize. It happens. But while still allowing us to be honest in that space about what we fear, what we feel anxious about, it's still relevant. These are thoughts, feelings and emotions. But what you're going to be able to learn to do is you're going to be able to learn that these are all just thoughts, feelings and emotions. That's the power part in this. So learning how to be self-compassionate and loving with yourself is an important part in this overall journey. And I'm sure you've heard that you need to love yourself first before you can really care and love for others. That part is true and it is a positive psychology focus. However, even this knowledge, even knowing this, we still can't stop ourselves from being unnecessarily hard on ourselves, Okay, especially where we have that ambition 
So if you're continually judging or criticizing yourself whilst you're trying to be kind to others, you're drawing in those artificial boundaries. Okay, and it's important that we lead with our feelings and we don't feel isolated in that process. Actually, human beings don't do very well in times of isolation or loneliness. It does not help us flourish. So what you can do to practice self-compassion throughout your day is you can start with your morning routine. Okay, a daily gratitude is something that when you're wakening, you can build into your morning routine day. Waking, feeling blessed for having something. Mine, whenever I waken up, the first thing that I will do is I say to myself, sometimes out loud, sometimes in my mind space, every morning, I will say this. I waken grateful that today I have my mobility and I'm out of bed pain free. And the reason that that for me is a gratitude is because I do not take it for granted. I know that my mobility is my very sacred and special health. I know that health is a big value for me. But I also know that it's not forever. I also appreciate that it can change in an instant. So that is a big gratitude for me. Have a think about what yours would be. And when you're walking, your daily steps for health... I invite you to practice mindfulness by bringing your senses into the moment with you. This is a really beautiful exercise that I invite some of my clients to do when life has felt heavy. Okay, that does happen. And it takes their body on their health path, steps for health in their walk, but it also stimulates their biggest organ, their skin, when they get outside and go for a nice walk. But what we're doing is we're then bringing in a mindfulness practice to that. So as you're walking, you'll ask yourself, what are five things that I can see? What are four things that I could touch? What are three things that I can hear? What are two things that I can smell? And what is one thing that I can taste? And this can be repeated as many times as you feel needed in that walk. But the idea is to stay present in the question. So when we think of the word meditation, it can often lead us to visualize a person sitting cross-legged in the middle of the floor with their eyes closed, fingers poised together, humming hmm, away to themselves. And whilst, yeah, that's one form of meditation, it's not the only and it's certainly not for everyone. And what I've just covered with you above, when we spoke about the five practice, so the five sense practices, this is a form of meditation with your eyes open. And it's very effective, very effective and calming, a busy mind to start your journey into mindfulness and meditation. So maybe start there. You're never going to slip into a deep meditation state first time round. There's a reason that it's called a practice after all. So you must continue to allow yourself to stumble along the pathway, to slip in and out of that mindfulness state. I still catch myself thinking about what's for dinner. When I start my morning breathwork meditation each morning, there's always at least one thing that will pop into my mind and I'm okay with it. I just acknowledge the thought, then visualize myself pinning that thought to a floating cloud And know that it'll come back to me when the time is right. And it's okay to do that. So if I can leave you with a couple of top tips for starting your positive psychology journey to feeling more enriched, to feeling more joy, more happiness, 
It starts with you. Getting to know you. What are you truly grateful for each day? It doesn't have to be anything like world peace. It can just maybe be your favourite cup of coffee in the morning. But it starts with connecting with that gratitude. When you awaken, do you give thanks to your amazing body for another blessed awakening and a day ahead of you with those that you love? That includes you, by the way. And once you can master the art of gratitude practice, you're ready for more and you're able to receive more with ease. So today I invite you to start your gratitude journey. What are you grateful for today? If you're already a gratitude master, I see you, Adele Johnston coaching clients, wink, wink, then I invite you to move up a level and build in a meaningful and dedicated mindfulness practice. Okay, where you give yourself even just 10 minutes of self-care time each day to be present and either take that walk, do the five senses practice or journal your thoughts and emotions for that day. If you already practice deep meditations and breath practices, then you'll know what feels abundant for you in this moment. Do more of that. Connect with you. And I invite you to have a very happy and good feelings day to day because you're worthy of that. Thank you as always for listening in, for gifting your life currency to be here with us, to take in what we've shared and I abundantly give you thanks. I am grateful and deep gratitude for you being here today. And as always, if you love what you hear, please make sure you are following or subscribed to the podcast. Not only does it help us grow further and wider, but it also helps you to stay connected very, very early on. But don't tell anyone, we release you the episodes quicker. So make sure you are hitting that subscribe or follow button so you stay connected with us for the next episode, which is going to be amazing. As always, I say that every week, but the next episode is truly amazing as we hit our 20th episode. So stay connected with us. If you want to share whatever your takeaways are from this episode, then I am always open and ready to receive those shares. You can email me Adele at AdeleJohnstonCoaching.com or you can slip over into one of those Instagrams, Facebooks, TikTok, you name it, LinkedIn. We are across them all. Come and chat with us. We love to hear from you and what you've taken away from the episode. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing. To help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.